0: Franku, do you want to come pray for us, just as we do? Come and give thanks. I know we've had it, but... Absolutely. Father, we just want to thank you for such a privilege to sit in your presence, God. To know that you are alive. Father, we just want to bring you honor and all glory. We want to thank you for Mike this morning. Thank you for your word. Your word that's alive. Your word that's sharper than a two-edged sword. And Father, we open up our spiritual ears to hear what you wanna to say to us. Uh, thank you, God, that he will speak as you speak, and that he will hear as you hear. Mm-hmm. And we bring you all glory for that in Jesus' name, amen. Um, so, you know, I just from while we're worshiping, I was reminded of that scripture in 1 John, I think it's three, it says, um, what love that the Father has lavished upon us that we should be called the children of God. And, you know, we've got this, this wonderful, like almost paradox, like on one side, God loves us unconditionally, he covers over our sins. You know, he, he draws us in by his mercy and his kindness. But then there's another sense where he pinpoints areas in our lives where grace doesn't mean that we can just live like we want. Um, can you drop the, the house sound or just on that mic? It's very loud. It's very boomy. Boom. Okay, I can drop that, thanks. Um, and you know and just even just this morning like lord what is there in me that you want to pinpoint and highlight like he wants to make us better he wants us to grow in him that we don't stay the same we are and uh, we have to get better and it's something I know it's been the cry of my heart the last while of like, Lord, I wanna be better. I wanna be a better leader. I wanna be a better husband. I wanna be a better father. And I want to grow in these things, even if it's painful. And you know, when you were young, you had those growing pains when, you know, you grow up and you get growing pains in your legs and you your legs get sore when you're young. And I know with my kids as well, and when they had growing pains, you had to rub their legs. Cause they were like, oh, my legs are sore from from growing up and growing, um, you know, those muscles. Yeah, with, with growing pains. And and I think spiritually as well, I think it's very easy for us. I know many of you here have been saved for quite a long period of time. And, um, and I think it's very easy to get to a stage where you know the Lord. But it's like we know Him and we've pursued Him and we know Him, but then we can stop pursuing Him. Uh, we can stop laying hold of God. We can stop becoming better in Him and growing in Him. And I want to encourage you this morning that you know that having the the unconditional love of God, and I think also with just the, the, the just the busyness of life. I know when when you get older as well, and especially when you get families and you get kids and you get jobs and you get work, it's, and you have responsibilities. Life becomes there's so much other things to juggle, and we can forget that we actually. You know, friends, I just want to encourage you, man, let's pursue, let's get better. Let's say, Lord, whatever it takes, even if it's going to hurt me, it's going to be growing pains. We have to get better. Um, Because if you and I get better, the kingdom of God grows and extends. Um, As we, as I grow, I know it's something for me as a leader, and I want to say that for you, that's that. you know, I'm not going to settle as a leader, as your leader. I am trusting to become better, because if I get better, you'll become better. Um, and you know what I mean by better? I mean by growing in character, by growing in skill by by becoming um, more more yeah I think um, anointed and skilled in the things that God would want us to be so that's got nothing to do with what I want to share this morning it's just a freebie that's just, that's free for you that, that's that's just there okay <laughs> but what I did want to share with you this morning is um, and maybe it's along the lines of how we get better is I think there's an area in the church you know if we look at all of us, and maybe it's a general thing, that. uh, and last week I preached on evangelism, and one of the areas that I think we need to get better in, in terms of even our personal walk with with God and the way we live it out to the world, is evangelism. It's a weak muscle, and I know because we're rotating church over a two-week cycle, some of you are here this week that you weren't here last week. I'm not gonna re-preach that, but I do wanna ask you to go and listen to it because it is a word for us as a church to strengthen a muscle in us that is weak. And let's be honest, I think it's an area where we don't do well in often is personal evangelism. And I think it's something, me included, that God wants to grow us in more and more. Um, So this week though, I wanna share on being refreshed by friendship. Being refreshed by friendship. And, you know, one of the ways that God chooses to refresh us and the way that he chooses to make us better in many respects and to grow us in our faith with God is by putting people around us and by having friendship. And there's a, a scripture I want to start off with in 2 Timothy 1, 15 to 17, and it's such an interesting scripture. In, in many ways, the scripture is such an obscure scripture. And Paul here, he's in prison, he's under house arrest in Rome, and there's a sentence of death over his head. And Paul, in many respects, was in a dark place spiritually. He was in a difficult place. He even speaks about how there were co-workers and friends of his that had abandoned him, that had left him. They, they had gone off. It says, you are aware that all who are in Asia turned away from me now he's not saying that everyone in asia literally abandoned paul i think he's using hyperbole here he's using you know sometimes you will make a statement to make a point i don't think he's saying literally that everyone's left me but he, you've got this idea that he's in a place of most likely a place of despair the apostle paul and he says among whom are philip Phy- of and Hermogenus, and we don't know who they are, but there must have been friends or notable people in his life that he mentions that had turned away from him. And then he says, may the Lord grant mercy to the household of Onesiphorus, for he often refreshed me and was not ashamed of my chains. But when he arrived in Rome, he searched for me earnestly and found me. So here's the point, is that Paul is in a difficult place. He needs encouragement, he needs refreshing, he needs to be lifted up. What does God do? God sends him a friend. God sends him someone into his life. And, and, and so I want to say to you, the way that we often get refreshed and the way that we get encouraged is by people, is by friendship. And God sends this young man into his life. He's actually a slave. He's a runaway slave. Paul befriends him, and he ends up getting saved. If you go and read Philemon, because um, they connected the stories here, but this young man Onesiphorus ends up becoming a friend of Paul and ends up refreshing him in Paul's hour of need. And I want to say that you know, obviously, as a church, we are as strong as our relationships, and we are as strong as our friendships. And I think it's something that God wants to do in us that that we would grow this area where we would put ourselves among one another. Um, in terms of this area of friendship. And you know, I think there's different types of friendships. There are, um, yeah, okay, and there's an old Irish quote. It says, you know, there are many kind of ships. There are wooden ships, there are metal ships, but the most important kind of ships are friendships. Old Irish quote. <laughs> but we do find different types of friendships, and in one sense, you get mentoring types of friendships that God puts people in your life who are mentors, who are over you in a sense. And it's more like a, like a teacher-student relationship or a, you know, a, a, a leader-follower relationship. And those kind of relationships are often the ones that make us better. And I realize as well that I need people in my life who are smarter than me, who are wiser than me, because I need them in my life because I need them to speak into my life. Uh, And I did this in the week. I phoned someone up who is uh, someone I recognize that there's something of a grace on his life, who lives in another part of the Southern Cape. And I phoned him. I was like, How do you. And I just asked him questions about how he leads and how he does things and how I can learn from him. What would you do if you're in my shoes? and um, and things that I often don't do, but we need those kinds of relationships, a mentoring-type uh, f- relationship. And those relationships might not be ones where you'll see that person every week and you're gonna be best friends with that person. That might be per- someone that you would see once every three months, you know? But there's someone in your life that, that, that or people in your life that fulfill that kind of mentoring role. But the one that I wanna look at today is more conventional type of friendship that the Bible explains. And, the most well-known example of that in the Bible is David and Jonathan. Probably the most famous friendship in the Bible between these two men that had such a deep love and a covenant with one another that they they had committed themselves in deep friendship that had honored the Lord in their friendship. And I'd like to read a, a portion of scripture in 1 Samuel 23 in verse 15 to 16. And this is what it says in 1 Samuel 23. Verse 15, and here, I just wanna just give you a bit of the backstory. Um, David is running for his life. He has a group of friends that are um, uh, are with him. You know, the, It's got a band of mercenaries and soldiers that are with him. And David, though, is running from his life because Saul is out to kill him. Saul is threatened by him. David is a future king, he's been prophesied, and he's running. And in a place of deep despair, actually, and he's in a difficult place in his life, this is what it says. Um, let's look at verse 15. And David saw that Saul had come out to seek his life. And David was in the wilderness of Ziph at Horish. And Jonathan, Saul's son, rose and went to David at Horish and strengthened his hand in God. And Jonathan, Saul's son, rose and went to David at Horish and he strengthened his hand in God. In other words, he's saying that he went to encourage him in the Lord. He went to encourage him in God. That's what the word means. It's a metaphor, strengthen his hand in God. That word gets used in other parts of the Old Testament, that phrase. Um, In Isaiah, for example, it gets used about how we to strengthen one another's hands in the Lord. And so it's strengthening that takes place. And I wanna say, how did Jonathan refresh and how did he encourage his friend, what did he do to encourage him? And I wanna bring out two things here of how Jonathan refreshed him and of how I think this is something that we can, how do we refresh one another? Um, How does God put people in our lives and how do we become that kind of friend to others where we can refresh one another in the Lord? Um, Let's look at the first one. Number one, how did Jonathan refresh and encourage him? The first thing is he sought him out and he went to him. He sought him out, and he went to him. And let's look at what it says. It says, Jonathan, Saul's son, rose, and he went to David at Horish. And uh, it's interesting, Saul couldn't find David. You know, Saul was looking for him, couldn't find him, but Jonathan found him easily. Uh, maybe David had like certain sentries or certain people in certain places that Jonathan knew where to go to, but, Saul, but uh, Jonathan found him very easily. And the first thing is this, is that when it comes to kind of friendships that refresh, it involves often going to someone at great personal costs for you personally in order to go to someone to encourage them. And Jonathan goes to David when it had cost him. It had cost him, I mean, he had to literally travel to get there, to go and to see his friend so that he could encourage him in the Lord. He had to go to him. And, um, and you know, friendship is something, number one, that is costly, true friendship. To be a f- friend with someone means to invest into someone's life, even at personal costs. And I, see, I think some of the personal costs that it had cost Jonathan for David is that Jonathan obviously was the heir to the throne. He's someone that was going to take over from his father Saul, but yet he recognizes the call on his friend David, so much so that he's willing to step aside and let David, his friend, take the throne instead of him leading the throne. Why did he do that? It's because he he feared God and he saw the call on his friend's life and he was willing to get behind him and say to him, I'm gonna support you because I see that there is a call on your life to be the king and I will give up my rightful place to be that position. And Jonathan must have been a very secure man. He must have been someone who was secure in his love and his relationship with the Lord, where he didn't mind, in a sense, giving up what was most precious, that most people would fight for, most people would contend for, most people would die for. And what Jonathan does is Jonathan counts the costs, and he gives up, in a sense, his destiny, at least in earthly terms, so that he could less, and he could get behind and support his friend David. And I want to say that the kind of friendship that I think refreshes is the kind of friendship where there's deep cost that's involved, where we're willing to almost do things that would be at our own expense in order to make friendships work. And you know, isn't that what God did for us, is that God says, um, no longer do Jesus said to his disciples, no longer do I call you servants in John 15, but I call you my My friends. And then he says, Greater love has no one than this, than to lay down his life for his friend. And I think in the church, as we as we lay our lives for each other, as we are willing to inconvenience ourselves for one another, there's something of the glory of God that gets shown in times like this. There's something of the love of Christ that comes through, that it's a friendship where it's built upon the sacrifice of Jesus. It's built upon the there's something of a godliness in this kind of friendships. And I think the world, you know, the world will celebrate friendships with what can I get out of it? And if you look at Jonathan, Jonathan was a friend. He didn't say to David, well, what's in it for me? I'll be your friend, but what do I get out of it? There's nothing of that in Jonathan. Jonathan is the kind of friend that's willing to count the costs in order to, to, to honor his friend. And as a result, He's one of the great heroes that we find in scripture um, in it. And so that's number one. He sought him out and went to him. I know we've we've had that when we were we were in a very difficult place in Oatsorn um, th- after we had planted, we'd been going about, about six months, and we were in a very difficult place in the church. In the one specific week, I remember we had about 10 people leave the church. We had 30 people in the church, and the one week we had 10 with three families that had left the church. And what had happened, it was a, a just basically stupid leadership from my side, and people had got offended in the church, and a and, and bunch of people left. And I was in a very dark, low place, and I was struggling. And, um, and Brad Verena from PE, he was a friend of mine, he leads the church in PE, he came down for the weekend with about six or seven um, people from Oxygen Life around there. And they came to, to visit us for the weekend. And I remember just his presence, and I, was, I wasn't feeling joyful, I wasn't feeling full of faith, I felt like a failure, I felt like, you know, I've made mistakes, how could God ever forgive me? And it wasn't like I'd done something that bad, but it was simply just being maybe a bit foolish in the way that I dealt with people, and there were things that I was busy learning during that time, but I didn't have the confidence to almost step into what God had for me. And Brad came that weekend, and I remember, we had a church meeting on the Friday night in my home where Brad and and these guys, I mean, they're driven at personal cost, personal expense, and I asked the church, again, which was about 20 people, 20 folk then, to come on the Friday night, let's go, let's hear what Brad has to say, and let's sit under his ministry. And I remember clearly that night there were two people that arrived. So Brad had seven of his team, and there were only two of our guys that arrived that evening. It was. A single lady. (laughs) I think it was um, it was another older lady that came. That was it. And all all our leaders weren't there for some reason. No one came that night. And I remember feeling so. I remember thinking, I'm the worst leader in the world. No one follows me. You know, I haven't been able to motivate or lead people to even the meeting. How am I ever going to be a successful pastor in the church? And I remember just I was so depressed. I was depro. All right. And um, that whole weekend I was struggling and. but just Brad being there, he encouraged me in the Lord. It's like he encouraged me in God. said, Mike, I see something in your life. God has called you, don't give up. Use this as a learning opportunity and encourage encouraged me in the Lord. And, um, and he spoke into my life. And I remember th- that I, I didn't think, I think I was doing okay, but I remember not leading with joy. And there was a shift that took place that weekend where I remember I had to make a decision. I'm going to lead with joy. I'm going to smile more. I remember I stopped smiling. I was like, Good morning, everyone. And at church on this Sunday morning, he came to me afterwards and he said, Mike, you didn't even smile during the whole service. You, where was your joy? Like, don't you believe God? And he rebuked me. And, I, and it was, but it was a friend's rebuke. It was the rebuke of a friend who loves you and he speaks the truth in love. And it's like, he didn't stab me from the back and you know, gossip behind my, my back. He stabbed me in the front. He cut me. You know, It wasn't the kisses of, of an enemy. It was the wounds of a friend. And don't we need those kind of friendships? Don't we need to open ourselves up to people that be willing to love us so much that will be able to cut us and speak the truth in love? And I think as we grow and as, as, as the church is healthy, this is something that we fight for even as Christians in the church. But it doesn't just happen. It's something that happens intentionally. It does not happen accidentally. Um, and it's something I do, it's like, Friends, I feel so strongly about this among us. I really do. I feel it's like for some of us, we don't get it. It's like we live our lives um, almost on our own, you know, and we don't, it's like we don't get it. And I know some of us get it, but there's some, I am concerned that there are individuals in the church, we don't get this. And it's like we speak about it and we speak about it, but this robust culture where we can somehow see these things happen more and more in us, I believe it's something the Lord wants to do, I really do, I feel like he wants to strengthen this thing in us more and more and more um, so that we can celebrate uh, one another and speak the truth in love. Um, And look what Jonathan does to him here. Jonathan says to him in verse 17, so not only does Jonathan go to him and he, he, at personal cost, at personal expense, he goes to him and encourages him in the Lord, but look what he does specifically in verse 17. He actually speaks hope over his life and he speaks almost destiny over his life. And he says to him, do not fear, in verse 17, for the hand of Saul, my father, shall not find you. You shall be king over Israel. Don't you love that? What a secure man, secure enough to, to say, but I'm laying down. I know I won't be king, but David, you're going to be the king and I will lay my life down for you, David. Um, and what an example of someone who speaks hope and courage and faith over one another. And I wanna say this, just as I, I, I get into land, is that the kind of friendships that we find, and look what it says here, it says that he encouraged, um, he strengthened his hand, it says, in God. And the friendships that we find is, is it's in God, it's in Christ, that what binds us together is that we have the person of Jesus that binds us together, that makes us Family and one another, and that's something that we do in the Lord. We don't just talk about rugby, and we don't talk about knitting, and we don't talk about the ballet and the music, and we don't talk about shopping. If you, you know, we don't talk about just parenting. We do talk about those things, but what binds us together is the person of Jesus. Um, and um, and so, where do we find these kinds of friendships and relationships? I don't know about you, but. You know, maybe it's a personal thing I'm going through, but I long for deeper friendships, like genuine friendships. And I know for guys, I don't know for the ladies, I'm not, I can't speak on behalf of the ladies, but on, as a guy, I know as men, this is an area we are deficient in. This is an area we are weak in, where we somehow don't have enough of these robust speaking the truth in love. Um, sharing our lives with a band of brothers than enough that God wants to do. But you know, where, where do we find these kinds? And in the world, the, the, we find these kinds of friendships often in sports clubs or bars. And there's often a saying for those in the world with a bar um, is that, you know, in a bar they don't sell beer or alcohol. In a bar they sell friendship. That people come to a bar actually or they come to a sports club actually so that they can find friendship. That's the reason. But for us as believers, where do we find godly friendship? <laughs> we find it in the local church. We find it in the local church. This is the place where friendships grow. Uh, not just exclusively, but it should be the place, the ground of godly friendship. And so I, I want to close with that this morning. And, and I want to say that this doesn't happen by accident, friends. It happens, it's an intentional thing. Now, it doesn't mean that let's, I would love to be. Personally, I would love to be. I was actually this morning, I haven't been getting around to all the people in church that I'd love to get to. And I would love to get more into your homes. I know there's a bunch of you that are like, oh, I really wouldn't want to see. I'd love to see all of you. I'd love to be in your homes. I know we'd love to connect. We try to connect. And often in me, uh, and I'm being very vulnerable with you now, it's like I realize I can't be friends with everyone in the church. I can't. As you know, And I I would burn myself out if I have to get to everyone and I can't. My responsibility firstly, so you know this clearly, is firstly to lead the elders well and then to lead the leaders, especially the, the deacon team and the elder team. That is what I have to do well. And if I can do that well, often that filters down to the rest. But I would love to get into your homes more. And I think just to make sure that with an expectation, please don't expect, but why doesn't Mike come to me more? Why could Mike be my friend? Or I'm, I'm just saying it, there might be one or two of you saying, that's just not the way we build church, unfortunately, and I'm just one man. But how can we be the kind of friend that God wants us to be? I think number one is, you know, Jesus said this in Luke 631, as you wish that others would do to you, do so to them. And if you wanna have a friend like that to you, you might think, but who's that? Oh, who's my Jonathan? Who's my Jonathan in my life? Or Jonathina? if you're like a Davida. You know, who's your Jonathania? Who's who's, who's that person in your life that, Lord, why doesn't someone come to me when I'm discouraged and down? But I wanna swap swap that around and say, actually, but who's your David? Who's the one you are called to be like a Jonathan? I am called to be like a Jonathan, where we go at personal expense and we love and draw others in. And as we sow and give, often there will be those that will come back to us. So if you feel like maybe you're not being befriended, and you feel like you are lonely, don't wait for someone to come to you. You take the initiative in the Lord, ask him, say, Lord, in my community group, I wanna start to befriend people that are maybe, that I wanna draw them in. I'm gonna start to take the initiative. I'm gonna start to draw them in. God puts the lonely into family, and he wants to do so, so much more among us. So let me close in prayer. Um, that's the end of our time together this morning. I hope you hear my heart in these things. I, I'm trying to share um, as best as I can. Without, I'm not trying to put a heavy on you guys. I hope you hear that. Um, but, if I wa- but I wanna also lead you. I feel like it is something God is wanting to press in us more and more um, among us. And, and pray about this. Ask him, Lord, what does this mean for me in my household? What does it mean for me as an individual, for me as a guy, for me as a girl? What does this look like in the Lord? Um, amen. So let's pray together and close. Come, Lord Jesus. Yes, Lord. Lord, I want to pray for every person that's sitting here this morning that you'd help us, Lord God, to begin to be more vulnerable than even we are now. That, Father, that even as there are... Lord, us, all of us here that we can grow in, in even learning how to walk in the light and have fellowship in the light and learn how to have others in our lives, speaking to our lives, sharing our lives with one another, sharing not just how we're doing well, but also our weaknesses and the areas where, Lord, where we need the times when we're down and we need those around us who can who can strengthen our hand in the Lord. And Father, forgive us, Lord, We're so often it's so easy to put on almost like our best face and our best foot forward, and we don't always share the the things that are going on in our homes that maybe no one sees. But God, we thank you that you've put us in a local church, a family, that your will is not that we're just in meetings, but we're in one another's lives. Father, would you break something in us where religion blinds us, just thinking we can just almost present to people a certain way of doing things. God, break it in us, in Jesus' name. God, break in us any sense of hypocrisy or putting on a show or putting on a front, even, Lord, out of fear of being rejected. Lord, I thank you that this is not a house of rejection, not a place where we would ever reject, but we cover over and we love one another in Jesus. And Father, would you come and even in a greater sense, draw the lonely into families, even some among us that maybe have been involved for a long time, but actually, God, that you're wanting to do something in them in a deeper way, would you do so today, Father? God, would you come and stir us up that we can be better, that we can grow, that we can give ourselves to add to our faith, as Peter says, add to your faith, knowledge, your knowledge, self-control, self-control, kindness, kindness, love, all these things, Father, that we would add and keep walking in you. Lord, we we don't wanna just slide through life. We wanna press on and seek you and with one another. In Jesus' name, Father. Oh, we love you. Lord, I wanna pray for your blessing upon every family that's here, every individual that's here. I wanna pray for your presence that would um, soak us, Lord. And we thank you for the precious love of God that has been given over to us. Lord, we honor you and we love you. We really do just exalt your wonderful name. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name amen amen okay so